What up, world? Welcome to an episode of the NFL Podcast. That's right, you're in the right place. Don't worry, the RJ Ochoa Show has undergone a makeover. Don't worry, we didn't change anything. We didn't move the furniture around or anything. It's just the name. The RJ Ochoa Show is now called the NFL Podcast. My name is RJ Ochoa, staff writer for InsideTheStar.com. You're home for the best Dallas Cowboys news and analysis. And if you follow me, which you should on Twitter, at RJ Ochoa, you know that I just call a spade a spade. I like to get right down to business. So we figured over at SlantSports.com, who uh, presents the NFL podcast to you, why not, uh, why not just call a spade a spade and get right down to business with the title of the podcast? So we are here on the NFL podcast. As I said, I am RJ Ochoa. Also the host of Ocho Live, your only daily Dallas Cowboys video streaming option. Every day at 3 p.m. Central Time, you can watch the show on Twitter, Periscope, my own personal Twitter or Periscope. Just follow me at RJ Ochoa or the Inside the Star Facebook account. You can watch the Facebook live feed. If you uh, miss a show, you can always go back and rewatch on any of those platforms. You can go to OchoLive.com and rewatch there. And if you like podcasts, you're obviously listening to this one and you want to listen to Ocho Live in a podcast form, you can. You can head over to SoundCloud.com slash OchoLive and we'll be on iTunes soon enough. And uh, that show, that podcast is literally just the audio from Everyday's Ocho Live. Uh, again, every day at 3 p.m. Central Time. We're also on at halftime and after every Dallas Cowboys game and on post-game every primetime game Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night football. What an introduction. Uh, a lot of housekeeping. Sorry just to get uh, get you caught up. Like I said, we didn't move furniture, but we got to you know get some housekeeping out of the way. Also, if you uh, want to hear me in a couple more places this week, I was on the Philadelphia Sports Table Podcast with my good friend Jeff over there and. Obviously, we'll talk about it a little bit here on the NFL podcast. Jeff and I discussed the upcoming Cowboys-Eagles game. It was a good chat. I would urge you to go check it out. Just follow me on Twitter or ask me at RJ Ochoa, and I will get you the link there. And I haven't recorded yet at the time of recording this podcast, but I will be on the Wooten Why show uh, later this week with uh, with the incomparable Josh Wooten, Josh Why, the Australian Wonders. They're awesome guys. Make sure you follow them. And uh, Woot, uh, 50% of that production, is an Eagles fan, so obviously there will be a lot of Cowboys and Eagles discussion there as well. It's a busy week, if you couldn't tell, and that's why uh, this is the first episode we're putting together. I know I'm, I keep talking about settling down and, uh, you know, everything here on the NFL podcast now, and it's just, uh, you know, life and football. Everything is crazy. It feels like, you know, it's the time of year you just feel like you can never truly settle down. There's a lot going on, and um, this is actually the first time recording. Uh, I'm recording this on Thursday, October 27th. The first time recording since I am 27. My birthday was last week, and so um, I, uh, you know, grateful for all the well wishes that were sent my way. I'm very blessed. Thank you to all of you that reached out. And so, you know, you have things like this pop up this time of year. Before we know it, it's going to be Thanksgiving. It's already about to be November. And then Christmas. And you got Christmas shopping. And all the while, you're you're trying to keep tabs on your favorite NFL team. And that's why you come here to the NFL podcast. Because we talk about the NFL in general. And uh, we're going to recap Week 7 real quick. And then get into Week 8 and some storylines. Things that are happening across the National Football League. 
And, um, you know, let's just get to it. And the first thing we need to get to is Josh Brown, the uh, former now New York Giants kicker. Uh, Obviously, we heard a lot about that before the Giants played their London game. And again, we'll roll through week seven in just a second here. But the New York Giants went ahead and released Josh Brown. And I think that makes a lot of sense given the whole controversy that happened. John Mara did not look good here. This is, um, you know, when you think of NFL franchises and you think of class, you absolutely think of the New York Giants. The New York Giants have for a long time been one of the classier organizations in the league, and this was uh, a big fumbling by them, honestly. But Josh Brown put out a statement, and uh, and I'm just going to read it real quick. This is the statement from former New York Giants kicker Josh Brown, who uh, was dealing with all the domestic violence circumstances surrounding him, and it reads, quote, I am sorry that my past has called into question the character or integrity of the New York Giants, Mr. Mara, or any of those who have supported me along the way. I have taken measures to get help so that I may be the voice of change, not a statistic. It is important to share that I never struck my wife and never would. Abuse takes many forms and is not a gray area. Through the past several years, I have worked to identify and rectify my own behaviors. The road to rehabilitation is a journey and a constant modification of a way of life. My journey will continue forever as a person determined to leave a positive legacy, and I embrace the opportunities to show and speak about what has helped me to be that man. In the interim, I am cooperating with the the Giants and the NFL. Thank you to everyone that has supported me. I will not let you down, Josh Brown. End quote, obviously, and... This was a really, really dark day for the NFL. Obviously, you know, since the Ray Rice incident of 2012, excuse me, 2014, and the Adrian Peterson incident following that and the Greg Hardy incident, the NFL has advertised, and that might be the best word, that they are about, you know, um, about domestic violence and about stopping it and about caring about it and and about taking uh, measures to prevent it to the best degree that they can. And I think that sounds awesome. I think it sounds admirable, but I don't think the NFL is actually doing it. I think the NFL looks awful here because of how they allowed this to fester. If you remember, Josh Brown was suspended for the first game of the season. He did not play when the Giants traveled to Dallas when they beat the Cowboys. And he didn't play that game because he was suspended one game for uh, for violating the NFL's uh, personal conduct policy. That's what this is called, the NFL's personal conduct policy. And they reviewed all of this information. And there was some information about how they were unable to get information from the state of Washington and involved uh, with the case here with Josh Brown and his ex-wife. But again, all of this looks reactionary. It doesn't look like the NFL is being proactive in these movements. It doesn't look like the NFL is trying to get ahead of anything. It looks like PR management. It looks like, you know, details about Josh Brown's domestic violence issues with his ex-wife surface. Everybody finds out about them, and the NFL says, we have to look like we care now. And they did that, and they feel content in that. And now, you know, we'll see where they go from here. This, you know, Roger Goodell has had what is easily the most tumultuous reign as an NFL commissioner, uh, unless you go all the way back to the Burt Bell days. But even then, I, I'd still say that Burt Bell accomplished more for the NFL than Roger Goodell. But Roger Goodell, I think, is um, 
is running on fumes as the commissioner of the National Football League. I think we see some changes here. We've already seen some some players speak out. Torrey Smith had a tweet. Uh, Steve Smith had a tweet. And Richard Sherman has spoken out. And good for these players. Good for them um, not allowing the reign of the commissioner to, to rule what they're going to say. And I think we'll see a lot of change in the new collective bargaining agreement that these players negotiate. And um, I think we'll see some change. But... Uh, in other news of the NFL, or across the NFL, I should say that the Broncos traded a 2017 draft pick to the Patriots for tight end A.J. Derby. The Broncos getting some help. Uh, also, the Broncos losing some some help, some steam. Seriously, C.J. Anderson has a torn meniscus and is, you know, his, he's out indefinitely. But Devontae Booker, the rookie, is going to be carrying the Broncos' backfield from now on in 2016. And we'll see what he does. He's very talented. A lot of people had high grades on him when it came to draft time. And I think the Broncos are going to be okay. We'll get to them and what they did on Monday Night Football in a second. Uh, but... It, it was a fifth-round draft pick that the Broncos sent uh, to New England to get A.J. Derby a tight end, so we'll see what happens uh, with them and with the Broncos' offense. We'll see if they can move on. Speaking of the Broncos, DeMarcus Ware, uh, their you know, elite pass rusher, probably Hall of Fame player, had his house broken into after the Broncos played on Monday Night Football, and his Super Bowl ring was stolen. But uh, authorities found the people uh, in charge here, and they got DeMarcus his Super Bowl ring back, so all is good for uh for mr Ware, jordan reed and josh norman of the washington redskins are both recovering from concussions and uh they are on the the flight the travel for the redskins to london where the nfl will have the redskins play the Bengals, and uh we'll see what happens with that but um you know just an interesting week in the nfl it's week eight man it's crazy it's i mean i know i keep saying that and i sound like a broken record but it is crazy so Real quickly here, before we get into week eight, well, I do want to break it down a little bit, just a rundown of week seven. We saw on Thursday Night Football the Packers beat the Bears. It was so boring. Aaron Rodgers, he's broken this year. I uh, I, I firmly believe that Aaron Rodgers has taken a step back, and I think you can all you can trace it back to uh, the offseason before this past one, the offseason preceding the 2015 season. We saw Aaron Rodgers a lot more in the public light then than we ever have. He was at the Final Four, if you remember, that was the year Wisconsin win, and uh, Frank uh, Frank the Tank was there, and he was all about that. He was all about uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, and he was all about being everywhere. I think Aaron Rodgers has lost sight of football a little bit, and it's starting to show, but the Packers beat the Bears the Giants beat the Rams in London, and Case Keenum just had a dreadful performance, but he still had more yards in the air than Eli Manning for what it's worth. Case Keenum threw a horrible, horrible interception at the end of that game. It looked like a punt, uh, and the Giants walked away with the win. The Rams are broken. The, I mean, I talked about Aaron Rodgers being broken. The Rams are broken, and Jeff Fisher seemingly doesn't care. Jeff Fisher, I mean, I got to give him props. You know, I, I know that in um, when it comes to ships, I'm talking like, like boats, the captain is supposed to go down with the ship jeff fisher is all about that mantra captain jeff fisher right over here because he is committed to case keenum he's committed to what they're doing todd Gurley, one of the stars of the nfl has got had 57 yards in this game it's crazy um but jared goff must be awful if if jeff fisher is unwilling to move to him but hey 
Um, the Rams fell in London. The Miami Dolphins had a big win at home over the Buffalo Bills. And the story of that game, the story of the NFL seemingly over the last two weeks is Jay Ajayi, who is from London, actually, actually from the Dallas area growing up, but grew up in London. He had 214 yards. He had back-to-back games, over 200 yards. It was impressive. And the Dolphins sort of uh, sort of coming together. And, and, you know, it was after this game, right before the Monday night game, that Arian Foster of the Miami Dolphins, the longtime running back for the Houston Texans, announced his retirement. And, you know, hard to uh, hard to wonder if Jay Ajayi's emergence has uh, influenced that. But Arian Foster, one of the more unique individuals we've seen in the NFL, certainly marched to the beat of his own drum, has retired. And Jay Ajayi carrying the Dolphins. The Bengals beat the Browns 31-17. to There was an amazing Hail Mary at the end of the first half from Andy Dalton to A.J. Green, who put up 169 yards. Receiving, it was impressive. The Eagles dethroned the undefeated Minnesota Vikings in a game that saw turnovers on the first five possessions it was insane just back and forth Wentz and Bradford dueling to see who could be the worst quarterback but Mercury Morris and the 1972 Miami Dolphins can celebrate because there are no more undefeated teams in the NFL the Minnesota Vikings fall to five and one the Philadelphia Eagles are four and two um you know Finding, uh, finding some form. The Philadelphia Eagles beating some impressive teams this season, both the Pittsburgh Steelers and Minnesota Vikings. The Detroit Lions, uh, who already beat the Eagles this season, beat the Washington Redskins at home. Kirk Cousins, without Jordan Reed, put up 301 yards in the air, but it was not enough. A Matthew Stafford comeback, last-second touchdown to Anquan Bolden, one of the more underrated free agent signings of, uh, of this season, was big enough. And, and uh, you know, the Lions, I think, you think about the NFC North, you think about the Minnesota Vikings and how they are the top team there. And then I think a lot of people would say the Green Bay Packers are next. No, not me, not RG Ochoa. I say the Detroit Lions are the second best team in the NFC or NFC North. Excuse me. Matthew Stafford is playing at an MVP level right now. You know, remember a long time ago, Matthew Stafford had that injury narrative. Matthew Stafford has not missed a game since 2011. Matthew Stafford is on fire. Uh, we need to we need to play a lot of attention since Jim Bob Cooter took over. The offensive coordinator duties last season, Matthew Stafford has been cooking with gas. Another game, the Indianapolis Colts survived in Tennessee. Andrew Luck, you know, carried his team, did what Andrew Luck does, carries um, a so-and-so Colts team other than him. 353 yards in the air for Mr. Luck. The Titans just can't get it done. You know, the Titans do feel like they're a year or two away, but the Titans have a lot of interesting talent on their team. We, uh, we'll talk about them when it comes to this week's Thursday Night Football game. They will take on the Jaguars, who were embarrassed at home by the Oakland Raiders in Week 7, 33-16. The Kansas City Chiefs got a win at home against the New Orleans Saints, who were not the same team on the road when they're not on their racetrack in the Superdome. Drew Brees, though, did still put up 367 yards in the air. By the way, the Kansas City Chiefs kind of have a quiet controversy going on in the backfield. Spencer Ware is their guy right now. He is the most dominant running back in the Kansas City Chiefs backfield right now. What about Jamal Charles? I mean, what about Jamal Charles? The trade deadline is November 1st, and the NFL's trade deadline is typically a boring affair, but you have to wonder if the Chiefs are ready to move on from the former Texas Longhorn, but we will see the New York Jets, poor Geno Smith, early in this game, suffered an injury that ended up being a torn ACL, and Ryan Fitzpatrick had to come in and save the day, and save the day he did. Thanks to Matt Forte picking up an even C note on the ground, the New York Jets beat the Ravens at home 24-16, 
the Ravens losing back-to-back games at MetLife Stadium. They lost to the New York Giants in Week 6 in New York, and then in Week 7 in New York again to the Jets. The Ravens were once 3-0 on the season. They have now fallen to 3-4. The best game of the weekend was inarguably the Atlanta Falcons hosting the San Diego Chargers, an overtime thriller uh, that really one of the best games we've seen all season. And Phillip Rivers and his Chargers, the Bolts, finally getting some breaks, finally on the receiving end, the benefiting end of one of these you know heartbreaks for a team. The Chargers winning 33-30 in overtime. Phillip Rivers, 371 yards. Julio Jones, though, 174 yards. He is going to lead the NFL in receiving this year. He is on fire. The San Francisco 49ers fell at home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis Winston finally uh, finally had a passable game. Uh, Mike Evans, just short of 100 yards. It was an impressive performance by a Bucs team, but it was the 49ers. What would have been a great matchup if you looked at it in the offseason, the New England Patriots Traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers, Landry Jones just couldn't get it done, and the Patriots won 27-16, mostly behind the running of LeGarrette Blunt, who had 127 yards. Antonio Brown did manage to crack three digits in terms of yardage, even though Ben Roethlisberger was absent from this game. The Sunday night football game was the most boring game we have ever seen in our lifetimes. It ended in a tie after an extra period of overtime, and not just, it wasn't like tied at 27 Tied at 6-6. Six to six. The Arizona Cardinals had a chance to kick a field goal in overtime, but Chandler Catanzaro hit the upright. It was pretty amazing. I mean, you think about it, and it, I think if you let him kick that 100 times trying to hit the upright, I wonder how many times he does it, but he did it on accident. And then Steven Hauschka just completely housed one to the left on the Seahawks' chance to win that game. And this game ends in a tie, which I think means the Seattle Seahawks will be the winners of the NFC West when this season is all said and done because the Cardinals failed to get that important edge over them. And finally, the Monday Night Football game, like we alluded to, was a snooze fest. Brock Osweiler, lots of jokes made about how he stole $72 million from the city of Houston. It's hard to argue that he didn't. Brock Osweiler has been maybe the worst quarterback in the National Football League this season. Certainly the worst quarterback in the NFL among those that have started every game for their team. It was an embarrassing return to him. You have to imagine he wanted to play a big game, getting the chance to take on the Broncos, the team he scorned in free agency, but John Elway was the one with the last laugh. Trevor Simeon had more passing yards than Brock Osweiler in this game, and let me tell you that Trevor Simeon only had 157 passing yards. That's how pathetic this game was. The 27 points, look, the Broncos uh, The Broncos are a weird team. I think the Broncos are going to win some games like this, but any elite offense is going to crush the Broncos uh, when it comes down to it. So that was our quick Week 7 recap. When we come back from this break here on the Now NFL Podcast, we will be talking about Week number 8, but as you know it, Week numero 8. So don't go anywhere. Hang on right there. Promise me you're not going to leave, and we will be right back here on the NFL Podcast. Girl. 
Cowboys Nation, the bye week is over, and that means it is time to do some work. Our Dallas Cowboys are 5-1. and one. They are marching towards the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football in a game that is going to set a 2016 NFL record for the highest-rated game of the season. And you would know all of this if you read InsideTheStar.com. Inside the Star is your home for the best Dallas Cowboys news and analysis on the web. At Inside the Star, we have game previews, player profiles, bold predictions, anything and everything that you need for America's team, we have you covered at InsideTheStar.com. Make sure you check us out on the web at the aforementioned InsideTheStar.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Cowboys Nation or at InsideTheStarDC. Go like us on Facebook. Just search for Inside the Star, and you can also hang out with us on Google+, Snapchat, or Instagram. Now let's get back to this episode of the NFL Podcast. Oh, shake that body. Oh, yo, come on, yo. Welcome back to the NFL Podcast. That is right, the RJ Ochoa Show has changed names to the NFL Podcast. We call it Spade a Spade, and we tell you exactly what you are in for, and you are in for a good time when you are flying solo with RJ Ochoa, and that is what you are doing. We are talking about the NFL. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, probably the most popular sports league in America, and uh, hey, it's week eight, week Ocho. And uh, there's a lot to discuss about it. So let's get into the eighth week of the 2016 NFL season. We have 13 games to talk about, which uh, which means that six teams are on a bye. That's crazy because, uh, hey, you know, that's the way the NFL works. Teams are on buys and you just manage it, man. You move on. So the NFL has suffered in ratings this season. We know that. The primetime games have been... Flaming hot garbage. The primetime games have been disgusting. The best game of the season, I think, in my humble opinion, was Chargers-Falcons last week. We just talked about it in the first segment. And it wasn't a primetime game. It was a 3 o'clock game. We saw how much the NFL is concerned with that, with what they have moved this week. And we'll get to that when we preview the game. Spoiler alert. You heard it last week. But Thursday Night Football is how this week kicks off. Kicks off. You like how I did that? Because football games kick off. I'm funny. I know. The Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Tennessee Titans. A battle in the AFC South. Somebody really has to make this sound exciting. That is somebody's job. Somebody has gotten paid all week long to make this game sound amazing. I'm proud of that person for the hard work they've put in this week. Look, this game is disgusting, even from an aesthetic standpoint. This is a color rush game. The Jaguars are wearing, I don't know if you want to qualify it as gold or yellow or brown or dirt or sand or mustard or whatever, but they're wearing their hideous uniforms. The Titans are all awkward out. Look, last year this game was actually kind of interesting, if we're being totally honest, but I have zero faith that it's going to be interesting. I think that DeMarco Murray is interesting. I think that Marcus Mariota can be interesting. And I think it's a shame that the Jaguars aren't interesting because Blake Bortles is not who we thought he was. He has a lot of offensive weapons. The Jaguars were all hype in the offseason, and we're seeing why that hype was just that hype. I will take the Titans in this game. It is not close for me. Next game, we are heading all the way across the pond. Sorry, you know, it's like, hey, London, we want you to like this product. We really want you to enjoy American football. Here, you can have Giants Rams. Oh, no, 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 no. Now you can have Redskins Bengals. And I get it. I get that the Redskins Bengals, which is the game we're discussing here, has a lot more appeal to it. I get that. It's a lot more interesting. 
This is, by the way, people not really discussing this, this is a Jay Gruden revenge game. Jay Gruden getting the chance to face the team that propelled him to the head coaching status he currently has as the head coach of the Washington Redskins. Marvin Lewis, his coaching tree is kind of impressive if we're giving him a lot of props here. But the Redskins, as we talked about, I don't think that Jordan Reed nor Josh Norman are going to play this game. I think Kirk Cousins actually has been impressive. Kirk Cousins has been incredibly good without Jordan Reed the last two games. One of those was a win for the Redskins, and they almost beat the Lions, the win being the Eagles game. I think Kirk Cousins is really finding his 2015 form. I think Kirk Cousins is the man. I mean, and I don't say the man like the man. I think Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback the Redskins have had in a long time, the most consistent quarterback they've had, and I think they ought to lock him up to a long-term contract before he really catches fire this season. However, I don't think it's enough. I think the Bengals are... The Bengals are weird. You know, the Bengals, I've said before, the Bengals are sort of a microcosm of the 2016 season and that it doesn't really feel like last year, you know, but you want it to. Like some of the pieces are there when it should, but it just doesn't. Uh, Nevertheless, the Bengals have A.J. Green and he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. I will take the Bengals in London. Cheerio! Moving on, the Indianapolis Colts will be hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. If you remember, this was an epic playoff game a few years back when the Colts came all the way back. Uh, It was a whole lot of fun. It's a sneaky good uniform matchup. You get that bright red versus the bright blue and uh, whatever. And look, the Chiefs haven't been the AFC dominating force that I thought they would be. I had the Chiefs pick to attend the AFC championship game, attend being in the game, not just attending it as spectators. And they haven't been that team, but the Chiefs have been good. And the Chiefs beat the Saints last week, which proves they can hang on or or hang with and contend with an offense that puts up a lot of points. Spencer Ware, like we talked about, does look great. And Alex Smith just isn't a sexy quarterback, so people aren't enthused by the Chiefs. But I think the Chiefs are going to defensively handle the Colts. I think Andrew Andrew Luck's going to get sacked a bajillion times, and I think the Chiefs are going to win this game, and I think the seat that Chuck Pagano is sitting on is going to get infinitesimally more caliente. The Buffalo Bills and Rex Ryan, who has avoided the hot seat, Rex Ryan's Bills, now 4-3 and three on the season, will host the New England Patriots. The Bills are the lone team to hand New England a loss this season. See, I hate stuff like this. It's week eight, and we're you know the Bills and Patriots are already going to be done for this season. I hate that. You can't spread it out longer, seriously. Why? Why does the NFL do that? I mean, you're talking about the this is twice in five weeks that these teams are playing. Why does it have to be that way? But um, this time, Tom Brady will be the quarterback for the Patriots, which means the Bills are in for a rough day. Tom Brady plays excellently over the course of his career in Buffalo, and I think he continues that trend. Toodaloo, Rexy. The Detroit Lions visit the Houston Texans, who have absolutely zero confidence remaining after Monday Night Football. Brock Osweiler had a terrible game. Bill O'Brien getting called into question. He's supposed to be the offensive guru and and all this. The lone bright spot on the Houston Texans is Lamar Miller, who looks outstanding. Lamar Miller is one of the better running backs in the NFL. It's just a shame because his right tackle is gone for the season and maybe for his whole career. Derek Newton suffering torn, what was it, patellar tendons in both of his legs. The odds of that are just ridiculous that they, that would happen on the same play. I just can't see this happening for the Texans. The Lions, like I said, I think people are sleeping on the Lions. The Lions are the first team in NFL history I saw on Thursday to be losing in the fourth quarter of all seven games of their season through seven games and have a winning record. 
The Lions are are built to hang on. I think they go down to Houston. Matthew Stafford is from Texas. He's from Dallas. Obviously, we all know that his relationship with Clayton Kershaw. Give me the Lions. So, the Cleveland Browns, and who knows who's going to be the quarterback for this team. Josh McCown, Kevin Hogan, maybe one of the Indians is going to go play for the Browns. Obviously, the Indians and Cubs in the World Series right now. The Cleveland Browns host the New York Jets, and I think this is really cool because earlier in the week, the NBA season tipped off, and the Cavs, you know, they debuted their world championship banner, and they welcomed the New York Knicks. So earlier this week, we saw a New York team visit a Cleveland team, and we get to see it again because the Jets are visiting the Browns. Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you want to call it earning, earned the job back, and by earning, I mean Geno Smith tore his ACL and literally cannot play. Ryan Fitzpatrick is once again the unquestioned starter for the New York Jets, really just thanks to, um, you know, uncontrollable circumstances for him. I think that Fitzpatrick and Brandon Marshall have themselves a nice game. I really want to pick the Browns. I really, really do. I think that they're sniffing around for their first win, but I just don't think it happens this week at home against the Jets. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are seemingly somehow unbelievably favored at home against the Oakland Raiders. The Bucs, if you are in uh, the Ocho Live Pick'em Pool on ESPN.com, as of Thursday, the Bucks are half-point favorites over the Oakland Raiders. How is that possible? How how could the Buccaneers be favored over the Oakland Raiders? I mean, give me Blackjack Del Rio and Derek Carr and Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper, and I'm not even going to look back. I will. The Raiders are going to trounce the Buccaneers. This is going to be a big game for the Raiders. The Raiders are... Probably the most fun team to watch in the NFL, although I'd put the Cowboys up there, obviously, as well. So, this is the next game that, uh, or the game, I should say, that we talked about a little bit last week on um, on what was the RJO show. Now we're on the NFL podcast. You got to hang up. You, you know, gotta, you got to always be on your feet. You got to be quick around here. And so, the Arizona Cardinals are visiting the Carolina Panthers. And it sounds like a normal game, but it's not. This game, to me, says so much about the NFL this year, okay? The NFL is more worried about ratings than it is about what happened with Josh Brown. Because, like I said, everything regarding Josh Brown was a reactionary move. As soon as all the information about Josh Brown's domestic violence history with his ex-wife became public, all of that information that was real, that already existed, just because it went public and the general public saw it and consumed that information and called for all this, this moves, that's when the NFL made a move. But on October 12th, okay, this is currently October 27th. This Sunday is October 30th. So 18 days in advance. This is when the NFL shows a level of, you know, being proactive. The NFL saw this Cardinals-Panthers game on the schedule, right? And they saw that this game was scheduled for the afternoon. Now, in the afternoon, this slot, this week, week eight of the NFL season, there are only two games in the three o'clock window. And like we've said, like, you know, if you if you don't really know primetime television ratings, that's okay. But the NFL wants big games in the three o'clock window because it is not a national game. There's no game on at three o'clock that is being distributed to every household in America. The Sunday night, Monday night, and Thursday night football games are... Um, obviously on a, on a cable level, but these games aren't, but they are distributed to a large audience. If you watch it at the afternoon hour, 
you know that the CBS broadcast is the team of Jim Nance, Phil Simms, and Tracy Wolfson. The Fox team, the America's Game of the Week, that's what it's called, is Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Aaron Andrews. The Dallas Cowboys have been on America's Game of the Week a large uh, number of weeks this season. Why? Because they're the Cowboys. They're the, the team that draws the most eyeballs. So, this week, week eight, we had two games at the 3 o'clock hour. We had the San Diego Chargers visiting the Denver Broncos and the Cardinals visiting the Panthers. So, because you got an AFC matchup and an NFC matchup, that meant the CBS crew, who does the AFC games, would be on Chargers, Broncos, Nance, Sims, and Tracy Wolfson. And the Fox crew, Buck, Troy, and Aaron Andrews, would be on the NFC game, which was the Cardinals-Panthers. Now, this Cardinals-Panthers game in the offseason sells itself to you. This Cardinals-Panthers game is a rematch of last year's NFC Championship game. The last time these two teams met and met in Carolina, there was a ticket to the Super Bowl on the line, okay? This game also features the reigning most valuable player in Cam Newton. This game also features the last four Coach of the Year winners because Bruce Arians and Ron Rivera have both won it twice in the last four years. The number of bells and whistles on this game is larger and to a greater degree than the average 3 o'clock Fox America's Game of the Week window. But still, on October 12th, the NFL released its statement that they moved this game back to the noon slot. You don't want to play at noon in terms of stages because everybody plays at noon. There are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, Seven games happening at noon. Why? Because those 14 teams can't carry the 3 o'clock stage on their own. Playing at noon is basically saying you're one of the bunch. And you don't want to be one of the bunch. You want to be apart from the bunch. And so the NFL said, Cardinals, Panthers, we don't believe that you can carry the 3 o'clock window because... You're garbage this season because, you know, October 12th, at this point, Carson Palmer had been injured. Cam Newton was injured. The NFL, look, from a business standpoint, this makes all the sense in the world. I'm not trying to deny it. I'm just trying to exploit that the NFL is very obviously concerned with ratings. To have made this decision before the halfway point of the season to bump the 2015 NFC Championship game rematch to the boring noon slot again, is is wild to me, and shows a level of proactiveness that they did not exhibit in the Josh Brown situation. That was 100% reactionary moves as opposed to looking weeks ahead to something that cost them money, and that's the NFL TV ratings. But let's get to this game. The Cardinals will visit the Panthers. Look, the Panthers are coming off a bye. They're 1-5, and five. and the Kansas City Chiefs, for what it's worth, were 1-5 last year. They won 10 games in a row, propelled them to the playoffs. They won a playoff game in Houston. They hung with the Patriots in the divisional round for a little bit. I don't think the Panthers have that in them. The Panthers have gone on, on runs before. I know that. They've won the NFC South three years in a row. I just think the Panthers are broken. And I've used that word a lot on today's show. I think the Panthers are broken. The Panthers are the team version of Odell Beckham Jr. And when they're not having fun, they're not dabbing, they're not giving the footballs away, Things aren't going right. And the Cardinals have picked up a little bit of steam. Okay, the Cardinals have, you know, they won two games in a row. They beat the 49ers, they beat the Jets, and they tied with the Seahawks. And if the Cardinals can tie with the Seahawks, I think they can beat the Panthers. So I will take the Panthers, uh, excuse me, the Cardinals in this game. Sorry, I got all worked up. Final one before we go to our last break. 
The Seattle Seahawks visit the New Orleans Saints. This is also at noon. This could have been a contender to replace Cardinals-Panthers uh, in the 3 o'clock hour. We'll get to the game that did replace it after the break. But this is an exciting NFC matchup. This is Jimmy Graham returning to New Orleans, obviously after being traded uh, two off-seasons ago. The Max Unger trade, we all know about that. And look, I picked the Saints last week in Kansas City. I believed in them and I was wrong. But they did hang with the Chiefs. I just, you know, some partial credit I think is uh, is owed there. And the Saints are a completely different team at home. When they are on their racetrack in the Superdome, that offense is very difficult to contain. And I think the Saints are going to beat the Seahawks because the Seahawks offense has been abysmal this year. They scored under 10 points twice against the Rams and against the Cardinals. And I realize that both of those teams boast defenses that the Saints do not. But still, the Seahawks offense is in flux. And I will take the Saints and their ability to score at a rapid rate. And if this turns into some kind of shootout, I just don't think the Seahawks dam can hold up against Drew Brees for a full four quarters. So I will take the Saints down in the bayou. We will be back after this break again here on the NFL podcast to wrap it up. We got four games left to chop up and I promise you we will have a good time doing it. Don't go anywhere. Hang out right here with me, RJ Ochoa, and we will be right back here on the NFL podcast. What up, world? Are you looking for a place to hang out every single day and talk about the Dallas Cowboys with a bunch of people who like doing the same thing? Well, look no further than Ocho Live. Ocho Live is the only daily Dallas Cowboys video streaming option that you can watch on my own personal Twitter or Periscope. Just follow me at RJ Ochoa or the Inside the Star Facebook live feed. You can also check it out at OchoLive.com. On Ocho Live, every day we stream, we have a show, we talk, we interact, and we chop it up about America's team. It's a fun community, and if you know me, I believe that social media and this type of thing is the future, and I want you to be a part of the future with me. So make sure you follow Ocho Live on Twitter. Just search for Ocho Live. Real simple deal. Again, OchoLive.com is where you can watch it and check out the streams if you miss them. Also, if you like a podcast version of things like you like the NFL podcast. You can also listen to Ocho Live, the podcast. It is just the audio every day from the show. It is at soundcloud.com slash Ocho Live, and it will be on iTunes soon. So check that out. Hang out with me. We always have a good time. Let's get back to this episode of the NFL podcast. Welcome back to the NFL Podcast. It is I, your humble host, RJ Ochoa, and we are hanging out, chopping up week Ocho of the 2016 NFL season. We are nine games in to this 13-game slate, which means that there are four games left. Nine is the number of Tony Romo. Four is the number of Dak Prescott. Obviously, everything revolves around the Dallas Cowboys. You would know that. If you read my work at InsideTheStar.com, you're home for the best Dallas Cowboys news and analysis where I am a staff writer. By the way, Tony Romo on Wednesday throwing passes for the first time in front of the media, got everybody up in a tizzy. On Thursday, wearing a helmet for the first time. Look good, man. Look good. By the way, for what it's worth, not officially cleared for practice yet, and uh, but it is on the way. It is exciting times out in Cowboys Nation, but... We will get there in a second. Right now, we are talking about the rest of the NFL. And we are at the 3 o'clock slot. 
spent a lot of time in segment number two talking about the three o'clock slot and what it meant. And the CBS game, as we noted, is the San Diego Chargers visiting the Denver Broncos and Phillip Rivers playing really well. I said that Matthew Stafford was in the MVP conversation. I would say Phillip Rivers is in the MVP conversation. I know his team doesn't have the record to back it up, but Phillip Rivers is carrying this team. I mean, offensively, he's lost Keenan Allen two times now in back-to-back seasons. He lost Danny Woodhead. I mean, Phil's making it work with just duct tape and WD-40, man. I mean, Phillip Rivers is on fire this season. Yes, he's heading into Denver and the epic defense they have, and Vaughn Miller is really good and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Phillip Rivers, offensively, is going to beat this team. All right, I'm saying it right now. The San Diego Superchargers are heading in to Mile High and are going to hand the Denver Broncos a big-time loss. I believe in Phillip Rivers, all right? And I believe in Melvin Gordon. I believe in his resurgence this year. It's amazing to say a second-year player is having a resurgence, but his first season, his rookie year, was truly that bad. San Diego is going to get this win, although it might be for not because the Chargers might be playing elsewhere next season. Who cares? I'm going to say San Diego as many times until that day. San Diego getting the win over the Denver Broncos. Moving on to the game that replaced the Cardinals and the Panthers as America's Game of the Week. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Aaron Andrews on the call, although I'm not 100% certain Joe Buck might be caught up in his World Series obligations, so that means Dallas Cowboys MVP Tom Brenneman would be filling in for the Buckmeister with Troy Aikman in the booth. The Green Bay Packers coming off their win on Thursday Night Football. Really boring win and really unnatural. I did not like seeing the Green Bay Packers wear white pants. Felt really awkward. It did not jive well with me as a fan of NFL history. I don't ever want to see that again. Again, they did come off a win, and good for them. The Atlanta Falcons will be in the Georgia Dome their last season in the building, and they are coming off of a loss at home, as we discussed in overtime to those San Diego Superchargers who I picked. I told you I'd sneak it in as many times as I could. And this is a big game. I understand why the NFL replaced Cardinals-Panthers with this game Look, remember the Packers went to Atlanta in 2010, got a playoff win there. That was when B.J. Raji did the belt check, uh, the discount double check that propelled the Packers to their Super Bowl 45 championship run, the game they won at what was then Cowboys Stadium over the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I don't think that that's who these Packers are. These Packers are weird. You know, we talked about the Bengals and how they sort of don't feel like last year. Well, the Packers haven't felt that way in a long time. And it's funny that we're coming off talking the San Diego-Denver game because it really has has been since Aaron Rodgers visited Denver in 2015 on Sunday Night Football on November 1st since he's looked weird. Aaron Rodgers has yet to look like the dominating force that we are so accustomed to seeing, and I don't think it happens. I don't believe in Matt Ryan particularly, but I believe that Matt Ryan is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers right now, which makes me sad. And I believe that Julio Jones is, when you're considering... All the details around him right now, he's the best wide receiver in the NFL just because Antonio Brown is limited by Landry Jones. I think right now the best receiver, including situation and everything, is Julio Jones, and I think he is going to eviscerate the Green Bay secondary. Give me the Falcons in this one. Uh, I mean, it's an exciting game, don't get me wrong, and that's why it was moved to this hour, but I don't think it's close. I don't think it's anything like what we saw the Falcons uh, you know, put up with the Chargers last week. I think the Falcons win this one handily. Moving on, Carrie Underwood, if she were here, would uh, serenade us to Sunday night football. Oh! 
Sunday night. I hate the new song. I want to like it so much. I really do. I really want to like it because I love Sunday night football. I just can't. I can't do it. I can't convince myself that it is a good game. This game, again, we've been saying it for many weeks on the RJO Show, the NFL podcast, Ocho Live. This is going to obliterate any single game rating that the NFL has had in 2016. This is going to set the bar for ratings when it comes to single games in the NFL this season. It is Sunday night football. It is rookie Carson Wentz, rookie Dak Prescott, rookie Ezekiel Elliott. There are so many elements to this game. This is the first time in the long time series history between the Eagles and the Cowboys that rookie quarterbacks will start for both teams. Additionally, this is going to be Jason Witten, the Dallas Cowboy tight end, future Hall of Famer. It is going to be his 204th consecutive start, which will establish a new Dallas Cowboys franchise record. The current record is 203 games, obviously, and Jason Witten is tied with longtime defensive star Ed Tutal Jones. This game has everything, and it's got Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, and Michelle Tafoya, and I think this game is going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be competitive through the first half. I think that Zeke Elliott is going to have his way. It wouldn't shock me if Zeke Elliott approaches 200 yards. He has currently had a streak going, four games of 130 yards or more, the first rookie in NFL history to do that. And I think he easily eclipses a buck 30, but I think he flirts with 200 yards. You'll have to read my bold predictions at InsideTheStar.com on Friday to get exactly what I think will happen from a bold perspective. But in terms of what I think will happen, I know that the Cowboys are going to win this game. I will be at this game with my dad. I've been to see the Cowboys play the Eagles twice in my life. I am 0-2. Third time is the charm. These guys owe me. I am going for vengeance to get over the Eagles. And look, where this game is going to be won is in the trenches. The Cowboys offensive line, the Eagles defensive line. What the Cowboys want to do is they want to run, 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 and milk time off that clock. And if the Eagles are able to disrupt that, if the Eagles are able to get some three and outs and get the Cowboys offense off the field, well, we'll see if Carson Wentz, uh, we'll see if he can really get this done. This is exciting. This, I think in terms of hype, is the biggest game so far of the season. I think this is the game. People have been looking forward to this game for weeks now, and um, I'm excited. So that takes us to Monday Night Football. That's right. I wish Hank Stram were around to sing the song for us, but we all know how that went down a few years back. And look, this game, the Minnesota Vikings, who are 5-1. and one, Yeah, they're coming off their first loss, but still, they're exciting. I can get excited about the Minnesota Vikings. However, I can't get excited about their opponent. The Minnesota Vikings will travel to Chicago. Chicago, the Chicago Bears, saying it again, Chicago, because I can't believe it. The Chicago Bears will make their fourth appearance on prime time in eight weeks. Half of the NFL season has featured the Chicago Bears in a primetime game. They played on Monday Night Football in Week 2 at home. By the way, this is their second time hosting Monday Night Football. Uh, Previously against the Eagles, they visited the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. And last week, as we discussed, they were, um, you know, in Green Bay for Thursday Night Football. And Brian Hoyer broke his arm. Matt Barkley had to get some, uh, some reps in there for him. But... Jay Cutler is expected to return to the lineup. Kind of amazing since Jay Cutler was injured on Monday Night Football. So he'll be back on Monday Night Football. Pretty cool coincidence there. And look, 
if Jay Cutler's Bears were playing the Packers, I'd be a little bit more interested here because the Packers have fallen apart, um, obviously, this season. But the Vikings are too good, man. And I know the Vikings lost to the Eagles. I know Sam Bradford looked bad. I know all that and, and everything. But Mike Zimmer is in the conversation for Coach of the Year for a reason. And I bet Mike Zimmer has had these fools just ready to go this week. And I think the Vikings are going to go into Chicago. I think they're just going to drop a hammer on the Bears. And Jay Cutler is going to look as disinterested as ever i will take the vikings to wrap up week number ocho and that is going to wrap up the first episode of the nfl podcast at least it's not the first episode if you look in our archives all of the rj osho episodes are still there again just a cosmetic change here just a name change again we wanted to get to the point here the nfl podcast tell you what you're in for and uh we went ahead and did that and so i hope you enjoyed this episode if you did let me know tweet at me at rj ochoa follow me on periscope by the same name or instagram by the same name find me on Facebook. You can find me on Snapchat. My username is the O Chosen One. You got to be everywhere in 2016, and I do my best to do just that. So make sure you follow the NFL podcast on Twitter by that name at the NFL podcast, and promise me that you're going to have yourself a fantastic weekend. Enjoy this weekend. It's Halloween weekend. If you if you're going somewhere, be safe. Uh, no matter what you're doing, and and have a lot of fun. Uh, whatever you do uh, for the weekend, uh, if you're celebrating anything or not, if it's your birthday, happy birthday to you. Uh, whatever the case. I just hope you're having a good time because that is the mantra of the NFL podcast. Have a good time. Enjoy food. Enjoy family. Enjoy friends. And most importantly, enjoy football. I have enjoyed this episode of the NFL podcast with you, my friend. And I can't wait to see you next week. We'll have a new episode out on Tuesday recapping what was week eight in the NFL. And I'll have some tales from my adventure at the Sunday night game between the Cowboys and the Eagles. Now, remember two things. As always, go Cowboys and peace out. Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me. Oh, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get down? Oh, what you gonna do?